Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Fox 2 presents Hancock and Kelly. Welcome to Hancock and Kelly here on Fox 2 on your Sunday morning. On the right, right over here is John Hancock. Good morning, everyone. And on the left is Megan McBride. Good to see you once again, Megan. Thanks for having me back. That's uh, one of those rare days, Brown, where Michael Kelly has managed to get away for a few days. Rare? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, like Golfing <laughs> down in like, South He's Florida. down to 19 weeks a year. <laughs> is he really? Yeah, yeah. That's he's, not bad. Really putting the time in. Well, it, it takes him a while to formulate thoughts, yeah. so that's good. We'll give him some time off. And I'm John Brown. Great to be here. Big story this week, the big debate over William Barr's testimony. We're going to begin with Ray Bogan, then we'll discuss. I think spying on a political campaign is a big deal. Attorney General William Barr uh, dropping a bombshell during his second day of testimony on Capitol Hill. You're not suggesting, though, that spying occurred. I, I think there was a spying did occur. Yes, I think spying did occur. But yeah. the question is whether it was predicated. Barr telling lawmakers he's looking into efforts by the FBI to investigate members of the Trump campaign before the 2016 election and whether it was justified. There is a basis for my concern, but I'm not going to discuss the basis. Do you want to rephrase uh, what you're doing? Uh, because I think the word spying uh, could cause uh, everybody in the cable news ecosystem to freak out. Unauthorized surveillance. Barr's remarks coming hours after the president blasted the Mueller probe, calling it an attempted coup against his presidency. There were dirty cops. These were bad people. In a statement, House Democratic Chairman Adam Schiff blasted Barr's suggestion of spying, saying this type of partisan talking point may please Donald Trump, who rails against a deep state coup, but it also strikes another destructive blow to our democratic institutions. I'm going to be interested in seeing how the attorney general carries this forward. All right, that was Ray Bogan reporting. We're going to start with you. A lot to unpack in this. Let's begin with the spying aspect. What got your attention about that? Well, it's been something that's been talked about quite a bit, and um, I'm a little surprised that it's just now being investigated. I think it's appropriate uh, for the Justice Department. Look, our FBI agents, our intelligence community, they are professionals, they do a good job, but they're not immune uh, from making bad choices and decisions. And if that's what happened here, we need to get to the bottom of it and we need to make sure it never happens again. And I think William Barr is a, is a straight shooter. I think he's a law and order voice. And the fact that he deems this worthy uh, of a probe, I think is significant, and I think he's, and I think it's proper. Megan, it's been pointed out numerous times, Democrats and Republicans, he doesn't speak without fully thinking through. He's a smart guy. We know this. Yeah. This was not a mistake. He meant to no. say that. Your thoughts on spying? I think he's avoiding being Jeff Sessions. You know, he does not want to get attacked for not saying and doing exactly what his boss 
wants him to do. I think folks on the left, like me, are not surprised to see this behavior. During his confirmation hearings, it was clear that he thought the executive branch was infallible, that he was going to defend them no matter what, defend the president. And here we have him acting like the president's lawyer, not the people's lawyer. And I don't think we're surprised by that at all. I spoke with an attorney this week who raised an interesting point. He said spying is subjective, isn't it? If I look and see what you're doing over there, I see what you have on your paper, that's spying. Yes, they were spying because they were looking into Donald Trump's background. If you want to call that spying, yeah, okay. Well, That's kind of what the, it is. That's what they were doing. The question is, and, and look, we were in the middle of a campaign for president, and I don't think anybody would like the, the federal government to be poking around and eavesdropping on the political, on the other side. Uh, and and that's what this may have been, and, and I think we need to look at it. Look, there we know that that dossier that the Clinton campaign and the DNC generated was part of the reason for the concern about Trump's connections uh, to Russia. We know that there was some meeting between George Papadopoulos and a and a Russian actor in in Eastern in Western Europe uh, while the campaign was going on. Those are the things that at least have been offered as the reasons for the investigation. Uh, but what did they do? How much snooping was involved? How deeply did they penetrate? Were there wiretaps involved? I mean, these are important questions. And to do it in the context of a political campaign is pretty scary. Megan, I think a lot of this will come out this coming week. If it's true, the Mueller report's going to be released very, very soon here. How much is going to be redacted? We don't know at this point. But I do think it's interesting. A lot of Democrats say, well, uh, Barr is trying to cover up things here with his little short synopsis. We're all going to see this at some point. That was dangerous. If he did try and cover things up and spin for the president, we're going to know that quickly. Yeah, absolutely. I think what's going to be really telling is how much is redacted. Is it really just necessary information to protect individuals who maybe are at the periphery of this? Or is it a complete redaction that we really can't get to the big picture of what Mueller was trying to uncover and what he found? So I think that's going to be one part that really is telling about what Barr is really up to when it comes to either protecting the president or not. All right, one more, one more topic here very quickly, John. Another thing got my attention was when Barr was asked if the White House had seen the report. Take a listen to this. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, as, as I say, I'm landing the plane right now. And, uh, you know, I've been willing to discuss my my uh, my letters and the process going forward, but uh, the report's going to be out next week, and I'm just not going to get into the details of the process until the plane's on the ground. At what point will you allow Congress to know whether or not the White House was given the full report, briefed on the report, shared sections of the Once report? Once I go up to It is striking the president claimed complete and total exoneration if he didn't either see the report or was briefed on the report. Uh, as I said, you know, once the report is out, I'm happy to discuss the process. All right, John, over to you on this one. He never answered the question. And again, like we said earlier, he's very smart. He knows exactly what he's saying, but he never answered the question if the White House had seen this. Why? Well, I guess he's, what he said is he's going he's gonna to make that known after the report's out. I don't know exactly why that's the case. But one of the things that's important to note here, there is going to be a redacted version of this report made available to the public, and it should be redacted. There's a bunch of stuff in there. It could be sources and methods. At, at its heart, this was a counterintelligence investigation. Uh, but he also said that he is prepared to go and brief members of Congress on the redacted material. Why wouldn't you just give all of that to Congress? Well, in the good old days, Brown, you could trust an intelligence committee to keep secret things secret. I don't think 
you can do that anymore. So if you're handing over documents, I am perfectly fine with Bill Barr briefing them on redacted material and not handing the actual documents over. I think that's a probably a pretty good compromise. Well, and they will know. Like we said earlier, the Gang of Eight, they're likely going to see most of this yes. stuff with Schiff is on that. Uh, why do you think he wouldn't answer? Of course he wouldn't answer because Donald Trump has obviously seen it. But There's it doesn't no matter. Way. That's the weird thing here. It doesn't matter if he's seen it. At some point he's going to see I it too. I don't understand his spin on Barr's this. Barr is trying very hard to keep up what people have said about him, which is that he is very much about the law. He's going to be independent and he takes his job very seriously. I think, again, what we're seeing and what we all expected is that he's more interested in being Donald Trump's guy, not the American people's guy. And that's what he's doing. He's protecting the president. All right, still to come here on Hancock and Kelly, we're going to discuss why some Democrats are getting no traction while others are flying high. Heck, we didn't even know who they were a couple of months ago. That's straight ahead. Plus, an alderman says it might be time to bring in the National Guard to patrol St. Louis. What would that mean for the St. Louis area? But more importantly, what would it mean to the outside world to see that? To hear more, listen to the podcast. Just search for Adcock and Kelly. Big shakeup in the Trump administration this past week. You have Kirsten Nielsen out as the leader of Department of Homeland Security, along with some other top administration officials. Now, depending on whom you believe here, she either wasn't strong enough to enforce the president's ideas on immigration, had too much baggage and there needed to be a fresh voice, or John Bolton won the battle with the president and wants somebody in that job that'll be even more outspoken on immigration. Here's what she said on the way out the door. I share the president's goal of securing the border. I will continue to support all efforts to address the humanitarian and security crisis on the border. She used the word crises. People on the left and right say that, yeah, there's something wrong here on many levels. But I heard you guys talking about on the radio this week, we may be too far down this road for an easy fix now, right? Because immigration, judges, all of that's getting backlogged now. You've got a real problem here. Well, you do, and, and there's a problem with the asylum laws that are allowing people to flood in under that asylum-seeking uh, provision in the law. And, and what that does, it does a lot of things. Number one is it focuses all of your agents uh, onto those checkpoints, so the, the unexposed or the unprotected border is left unprotected. And the other thing it does is that there are legitimate people in the world who really do have asylum claims to get into this country. They're now stuck in a log jam because of what's going on with these South American countries. And uh, we, we do, I, I do think it's a crisis that exists at the border. And Megan, I don't think, left or right, nobody has a good solid idea, it seems, right now of what to do. Now it's gone on so long because we can't get along. Now we do have a big problem. Yeah, we certainly have a problem, but I think a lot of it's been created by this administration. He's used to, you know, throw stuff at the wall. There's no real cohesive strategy of what he's doing to address the problem because at the end of the day, he doesn't want any immigration. He's made that very clear. He's not interested in finding a solution to this problem because he doesn't think there's a legitimate humanitarian crisis for the people coming here. They're not coming here for fun. You know, you don't walk thousands of miles with your children because you're bored. You come because there's a legitimate concern from your home country. And so if you're going to deny that that's existing and act like they're just coming here to become criminals, you're never going to find a solution that's actually going to work. But what's happening now is you've got this flood of humanity coming in. 90% of those people are being denied, and that's under the current law. So you've got this mass flood of people coming in, 90% of whom don't have a meritorious claim for asylum, and that's clogging everything else up. Meanwhile, you know, you talk about the flow of illegal drugs and so forth. There's, there's miles of this border that don't have fencing, that doesn't have 
adequate supervision and protection. And nobody knows what's actually coming into the country through those areas. So, you know, this is a big, big problem. And it's going to require, I think, a, a bipartisan solution. I don't see that happening. At some point, yeah. Let's talk some Democratic poll numbers here very quickly. The most recent poll I could find this weekend comes from Morning Consult. It shows right there Joe Biden still way out in front with 32% of likely Democratic primary voters. Likely here. Bernie Sanders at 23%, Kamala Harris at 9%, big drop off between those two. Beta O'Rourke still at 8%, Elizabeth Warren is at 7%. Mayor Pete coming in at 5%, a little behind that, but you guys have seen some other numbers that have Mayor Pete climbing way up. Uh, interesting though here, Joe Biden still way out in front. That little scandal dust up little, I say that little in perspective here, didn't really seem to knock him back. No, you know, I think that that was really happening kind of in a vacuum. A lot of folks on Twitter, the social media liberals were kind of acting outraged and saying that this was going to be some detrimental problem for him. But there was a poll that came out that showed, you know, your average Democratic voter really felt that it was kind of silly and that it was definitely politically motivated, these accusations at him. And people like Joe Biden, they know who he is, they know he's experienced, they know what his values are, what he stands for, and they believe he's the guy who can beat Donald Trump. This is one of those scandals where nobody, well, very few people are buying in that Joe Biden is a pedophile or some kind of sex fiend. I mean, I'm glad these kind of things blow up because it made it look silly in the end. Yeah, he probably needs to wash his hands. It's a different area you can't, but come on. They went well, too far. Yeah, I, I, that, what, I mean, he is a little creepy, but, uh, <laughs> but look, what's, what's really interesting at this stage of a presidential campaign is you do begin to see people who are emergent and people who aren't meeting expectations. And a couple of things I would note, there were polls that came out in Iowa and New Hampshire. Both of those polls had Biden, Bernie, and Pete Buttigieg in third place, uh, both in Iowa and New Hampshire. Pete Buttigieg, the, the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, who's a virtual unknown nationally, he's really starting to gain some traction with Democrats. And uh, you mentioned Beto O'Rourke, he's not taking off. And I'll tell you, the other problem, the campaign that's in real trouble, in my opinion, is Elizabeth Warren. She's running fourth in, Mass in, in, Mass in uh, New Hampshire right now. And, man, that's, uh, she's going to be done quick if she doesn't fix that. I mean, your, your pollster, you guys both watch these. One of the most telling things I thought here in this poll here by Morning Consult was that Joe Biden is everybody's number two, except for supporters of Elizabeth Warren. They go for Bernie, right? Mm -hmm. And so that shows if anybody drops out, everybody's going one direction. Republicans didn't have that last time when you had 700 candidates running. They all splinted everywhere else. Everybody's going behind Joe Biden on this one. Yeah, I think that the reason you see that split is that you're either more on the socialist democratic side or you're more of a moderate Democrat who's interested in more working class values and winning. And I think that's what we're really seeing is Donald Trump has motivated Democrats to want to win, not necessarily to break into factions like the Republicans did in their primary, but really to come together and beat this guy and not let him serve a second term. All right, very quickly here, one story that had my attention this past week, a St. Louis alderman said that He's telling constituents to just stay inside. Maybe we need to call in the National Guard here to protect the people in his district. It sounds like we've hit a tipping point here. I'll start with you on this one, Megan. You know what? I think a lot of people like this idea of bringing outside forces in, but can you imagine that perception from the outside? Oh, you guys live in the city where the National Guard has to patrol the streets. This is a touchy subject. It's very tricky. I um, understand Alderman Bosley's perspective. He's very much interested in protecting his constituents. We know that there's a shortage of police. We're not able to fulfill all of the positions we have open. So you do have a gap. Uh, so I, I understand where he's coming from. I definitely think this is something to really sit back and think about. Is it going to accomplish the goal of keeping folks safe? 
um, and is just the mere presence going to outweigh the negatives of that presence being there. I think we've all seen, you know, kind of what happens the last time we had the National Guard in town um, in my neighborhood in South City. There were just, you know, officer, officers and uh, guys in the National Guard sitting outside of fire stations, right? Not really doing anything, just there. Um, so I think it's all about what the goal is and what the strategy would be to achieve that goal. But at least finally, somebody's coming up with a different idea other than we just need more police. We hear that so much. He's saying, well, let's try something. We got to try something. Here. Well, having having armed military gear wearing people on the streets carrying uh, semi-automatic weapons, which is what the National Guard is. Mm -hmm. uh, no, I don't think that's a good idea for St. Louis. Uh, I think, you know, what we need is a heightened police presence. And man, I'd love to see more. You know, when you go to the Cardinal game, uh, as I did the other night, there are St. Louis City officers yes, hanging there out are. there. There's Louis no County, question. There's St. More Louis than County, County officers there. I'd be much more comfortable with that sort of arrangement than, than armed military personnel in the streets. I think that sends a very bad s signal. Not to mention, I mean, we are seeing some great things happening in the city right now. Yeah. Lots of growth. You were down there. My goodness. New buildings, new apartments. It, boy, it'd be bad to have that being the national story of look at all the National Guard here just making sure people move into these buildings. Okay, still to come on Hancock and Kelly, we're going to do a little news potpourri. Got some fun things here. One thing we'll discuss, loss of privacy that we're signing up willingly for. Of course, Amazon has people listening on Alexa. Time for a little news potpourri here on Hancock and Kelly. All right, first well, potpourri, up. Potpourri, Brown, I thought that was your cologne, but it's the potpourri. The incense. It's very Sometimes nice. Sometimes I, I burn yeah. that when I'm doing massages between shows. Yeah, it's very nice. It got weird. All right, first up, sorry you had to be a part of that. Uh, it's all right. <laughs> first up, be careful what you say around Alexa because there are people listening. Yes, the company tells CNN that it hires people to listen to what users say to Alexa. Bloomberg said in a report that thousands of people do this as full-time employees and contractors all over the world just listening. The report also said the popular virtual assistant always listening microphone has possibly captured some illegal content. Megan, we've seen these stories before where somebody said, you know, I'm going to kill you, is caught there. They're trying to use it in court. This freaks me out. That's why I won't get one. I'm not surprised by it at all. At all yeah, huh? we don't have them in our house, but I'm not surprised. I mean, how do you think they learn over time your speaking patterns, how you pronounce a word? Think of all the accents across this country. People speak differently. They've got to be listening to figure out how to follow your commands. Same with Siri on your phone, all that. So I'm not really surprised. I also think at this stage of technology and where we are as a culture, I've just accepted that I have no privacy because ah. everything is being heard and everything is videoed all the time. And I knew that would get you. Different, different generation it's just here. The way She's it is used now. to it. You grew up in an era where you protected everything. Well, this, this is, is scary, thing. Brown. I don't like any of this. You know, and what I really don't like, I got a little PO box out there. Okay, mm -hmm. I go to the so I go to the I go to the post office every day or two, uh, check the PO box, and when I come out of the post office, my phone says seven minutes to home. Now, I don't want my phone telling me that I'm going, how does my phone know that I'm going home? And I don't, this is too much information out there, Brown. This is scary stuff. And you got Big Brother listening in while you're talking to your, uh, whatever you call the Amazon thing. Yeah. I don't like it. I don't like creepy. it at all. All right, let's talk about this one. Got my attention this past week. Nice debate, I'm sure. Delta now reducing how much you can recline your seat on their planes to reduce conflict in the air, they say. Many airlines have reduced the leg room, which caused a real problem if the people in front of you recline. 
So Delta reducing their reclining angle on the Airbus A320s from four inches to two inches. I mean, it, not at all, really. Delta says it's about making the flight experience more enjoyable for all. John, you're up on this one. You like it or no? Uh, well, they shouldn't recline at all. People are rude, Brown. Yes, and and they are. you get on that plane, and your guy in front of you, you know, who's got, who's ought to be paying for two seats if you want to know the truth, because they're, you know. But anyway, they, they recline that seat back on right on top of you, Brown, and, and you got no place to move around, and they're getting nothing out of this, right? They're going back two inches, four, whatever it is. They're getting nothing. All they're doing is making your life miserable. Kudos to Delta. I say let's end the reclining. If you want to recline in a plane, pay for first class. <laughs> right. John. If they recline and you recline, everybody gets <laughs> that's, some that's, extra space and you get to relax back. You know, you just need to relax, not be so tense. Not good. Do your four inches. You'll be much better. What they really should do if they want to make people more comfortable is just make more room between the rows. Don't cram as many people into well, one plane. Increase leg room overall and everyone will be well, happy. Here's, here's the problem you got. Mm -hmm. When you got somebody that's kind and considerate, such as, oh, me, for example, Brown. <laughs> yep. I don't recline back because I don't want to inconvenience the poor slug sitting behind me. So when you got miserable rude guy uh, coming back on me like that with his bald head sticking right in my face, reclining that seat, and I choose to not make the guy miserable behind me, I'm paying the price for that. It's not right. Well, when they recline in What's front of you, your drink is always right here, too. <laughs> Liberal. just, Liberals. I'll tell you who reclines on planes, Brown. Liberals. All right. Final thoughts straight ahead. <laughs>Time for final thoughts here on Hancock and Kelly, and something got your attention this week, that black hole image. Huh? Yeah, you know what? I, I, look at that thing, Brown. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. not black, and it's, it is a hole, but a black hole, I, I'm, I'm worried about this. I think this is fake news. A black hole should be black, and you got you got stuff going on there. I think yeah, there's something wrong here. Megan, as far as I was concerned, I heard this picture was coming out. I saw it, and I'm like... Well, that's exactly what I thought it would look like. I know it's monumental, however, she came up with creating the photo, but yeah, the photo, it Who leaves put a the lot yellow to be in the black hole. Yeah, well, but I don't know. Hey, we're out of time. My final thought download the show right there on your smartphone. Search for Hancock or Kelly. Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace is next. We'll see you next week. Thank you, Megan. Thank see you. ya. Good job. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.